Good morning, everybody. If uh, it's your first time here with us, my name is Mike Foster. I'm one of the ministers here at the Church of Christ at Hagerstown. If, if you haven't done so today, uh, on your way out, you can uh, place your offering in the basket in the back. Also, uh, if you ha- haven't come prepared today, you can use our secure online giving portal at cchmd.com give. Uh, we want to uh, thank everyone who's been uh, faithful in their gifts. Uh, this last month uh, was a little more lean, and so if you uh, have, haven't been able to uh, uh, give as you would like to, we would uh, want to encourage you and help, uh, to help out the ministry in that way. Today is a little bit different. Uh, as, as you know, there are some things up on stage that uh, typically may or may not be here uh, as, as they usually are. And so this sermon is, has been like six months in the making. And so this is the sermon that I had planned and prepared for uh, the Sunday that we had to shut everything down. And so when we had to switch everything around and go to videoing everything, uh, the, the artwork that uh, was done for today's uh, message, uh, done by uh, four different individuals from our church, Faith Budabal, uh, Sray Foster, Ryan Moore, and Allie Morris. And so uh, I wanted to uh, make sure that when we did this uh, sermon that we were able to uh, let everybody see the work that was done in the best way possible. And so uh, last week, uh, you know, can, can we finally get things online to be able to, to stream well and to get those pieces together. It's like, okay, this is finally the opportunity that we can really uh, uh, go after this and do that uh, this way. Uh, also, t- uh, t- today, if you uh, would at some point uh, take some time and go to cchmd.com slash connect, uh, you can uh, use the connection card there and yeah, it's, it's that right there. The connection is not good. Okay, I will go to uh, number two. So uh, sometimes the, uh, the technology just doesn't want to work the right way for us. And so, um, so if you need to change the settings, I'm on Eskaya's mic. So awesome. And so, uh, uh, so if you would at some point today, uh, go to cchmd.com slash connect and fill out the connection card there for us. Uh, or if you are new with us, you can text new to 240-347-0897. And so as we uh, begin today, today is the, the, the last sermon in our series, A Father's Heart. And uh, we, we've been looking at the la- over the last four weeks about God's heart, God's love for people. And so a few weeks back, we looked at 1 John 3, and it says, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us. God is a loving Father who, who loves to pour out His love upon His children, His people. And then we looked at Jesus' encounter with the rich young ruler. And, and that was an interesting encounter because you see Jesus, Jesus has compassion on this man, and this man does not respond, does not reciprocate that compassion. He loves his wealth, he loves his possessions, he loves his things, and so he strives after them instead of giving his heart to Jesus and, and following him in discipleship. Then last week we see a, a kind of a, a, a complete uh, turn on that, and we see Jesus' encounter with Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is also one who's extremely wealthy, and, and he has come about that wealth uh, maybe through some nefarious means, and, and so he has this encounter with Jesus, and Jesus says, we don't know exactly what Jesus exactly says to him, but what we do know is that whatever was said changed Zacchaeus' heart so much that he gave, you know, he, he gave half of his possessions to the poor. He gave, up, gave back four times what he stole from other people as he collected their 
taxes. And so we see his heart completely changed. Today, we're going to see about God's heart for lost people. Have you ever lost anything? Maybe you've misplaced your car keys, your wallet, a child. Uh, 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 if If you're a parent, at some point or another, you've lost a child. And all of a sudden you have that panic of going, where did they go, right? And I mean, your, your, your heart is racing, you're, 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 you're sweating all over, and you're just like, I gotta find my child, gotta find my child. And all of a sudden you find them somewhere, right? And you find them and you're like, your heart just, there's just a relief. And, and then you, you, you grab the child and you hug them and then you grab them a little tighter and you look at their face and you say, never do that again, Right? Because you don't, you will understand one day when you have children of your own what you just put me through, right? Have you ever misplaced a car? I I misplaced a car one time. It's Christmas time. It was my first Christmas in Charlotte, North Carolina, and so I was there, and I went to one of the malls in the area. It it wasn't one of the small malls. It was a big mall spread out. It had two stories like everywhere. And so as I drove in to do some Christmas shopping for my family, I pull in, and instead of going in through one of the main entrances, I went in through one of the anchor stores. So I went in, and, and I walked in, and I go through, and I you know, bought a couple gifts or whatever I, that day. And as I go to leave, I'm going back out through the store. And I go out through the door, and I'm, like, I'm in this aisle, and I go walking down the aisle, and I'm walking up and down, and I cannot find my car anywhere. Somebody just stole my car. It was a 1990 Toyota Corolla, so it was a real—I mean, it was a real lovely vehicle. And so uh, that was mostly white, uh, whenever it wasn't covered with pollen in, in Charlotte. And so uh, there we were, and and, and I, when I couldn't find it anywhere. I walked around, walked around, and I don't know if I was walking back into the store, and because I never considered the fact that I might have gone out the wrong door. I, it was right outside. It was right there. I walk out. I don't know if I walked around the parking lot, walked down the other way, walked back in, walked out. I, finally, I find my car and I make my way home. See, when something's lost, sometimes we say that it's missing. When, you're, when you, when you, when you, when you uh, uh, aren't here with us on a Sunday, you're missing. When you are absent from class, you're missing. When we misplace something, we say that it's, it's missing until we can locate it. Did you know that God, that's God's perspective on some people who are living around us? some people that we know, that they are missing because they're missing out on a relationship with him. Those who do not have a relationship with him, those who do not acknowledge his presence, they are missing. In traditional church words, in traditional church terms, we might call them the lost. They are lost. And so today we're going to look at one of the most famous chapters of the Bible. It's often called the lost and found chapter. And some might know right where it is. You might be able to turn right now. You oh, that, I know exactly where that is. That's Luke 15, right? So you might be turning your Bible. You might turn your, your app or, uh, to Luke 15. We're not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to tell you the stories today. But as we look at this, Jesus was, was telling these stories of, about people who were lost, things that were lost and were found. And sometimes we skip right to the red letter. Sometimes we skip right to what Jesus was saying. And sometimes we skip over the setting. We, we skip over what was happening. Where was Jesus when he told these stories? And so in Luke 15, it starts off like this. It says, Now the tax collectors 
and sinners, well, they were all gathered around to hear Jesus. There was Jesus. He was teaching. And always, whenever Jesus was teaching, people would surround him. People would come up to him and listen to him. And, and they, they, they longed to be near him. And, and this, on this day, in this place, those who were gathered around Jesus were tax collectors and sinners. And we, we, we all have a good, pretty good idea of what a tax collector is. There's someone who collects taxes. But what's this, this sinner thing? And see, a sinner could be anyone that the religious leaders didn't like, didn't approve of didn't think were good enough. And so this crowd surrounding Jesus, well, they repulsed the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, and they said, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. They didn't like the crowd that Jesus kept. They didn't like those who hung around him. And this was among the reasons why the religious leaders rejected Jesus and ultimately had him crucified. It wasn't so much what he said, but who he let near him that made them mad. He'll just let anybody come and sit next to him. He'll just let anyone come and hear his message. Does he not, does he not vet his crowd? He lets these tax collectors and sinners come near him and listen to him and eats with them. And we're like, so what they ate together. But back in that culture, eating together meant that you agreed with that person wholeheartedly. Everything about their, 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 their beliefs, their lifestyle, their stance on anything, you believed and you agreed with them. And so Jesus, knowing that this was their thought, tells a parable. He, he was supposed there was a shepherd, and he had a hundred sheep, and he loses one. See, the, 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 the shepherding was kind of a, a, a big deal. It was a big industry back in first century Palestine. If you've ever read Leviticus, you know there's a lot of blood that needed to be shed at the temple to cover over the sins, to have the daily sacrifices that they needed. And so having shepherds raise sheep was a pretty big deal. And so these shepherds would go out and they would, they would herd these sheep. And this, this shepherd had a flock of about 100 and, and, and the, the, the 100 was about an average-sized flock. And so from, from, you know, they, they would go out, and, and together they, during the day, they would, uh, they, they would uh, keep their flock with a number of other shepherds. You know, there was strength in numbers. You, you know, if you go out with, uh, with just your family, you have to watch all of your children. But if you go out with several families, you have several parents watching all the children. Sometimes that makes it just a little bit easier. And so all these shepherds, they're able to watch over all the sheep, you know, because you never knew where a predator might come from. So there's strength in numbers. And at the end of the day, they would gather them all up, and they would take a head count. And they're counting down through, and the shepherd's got all of his, and the shepherd's got all of his office, and this one guy, he realizes, I only have 99. I'm missing one. I, 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 guys, I got to go. And so the shepherd leaves his 99, and we tend to think he just leaves the 99 all there by themselves. But he leaves them in the care of these other shepherds, and he goes back, and he retraces all their steps until he finds the one. And some of us, and maybe in our more Western mindset, we tend to think, it's, it's just one sheep, right? I mean, it, it, it's, it's acceptable loss. Yeah, but, but in their culture, in their place, that sheep had a name. He was, he was as much pet as anything. They were loved and they were cared for. He was, it wasn't just a commodity to be, be bought and sold. 
And so he went on this hunt to find the sheep. And those who were sitting there listening to Jesus that day, they may have been shepherds at one point. They may have known a shepherd. They certainly had probably gone on a sheep hunt before because sheep, sheep aren't known to be the brightest of animals, right? And so they, they, they're, they're, they're rather dumb. And so it's, they get lost easily. And so they, they, they would, yeah, I've, I've, I've gone and looked for, for sheep before. They'd be, they'd be, I've been there. I know what that, that's like. And they would, the, the shepherd goes, and the sheep often, when it would get lost, a lot of times it would just lay down in the middle of the meadow, wherever it was at, and it would just start, it would just bleat until, you know, it was come, someone came and found it. So there's the shepherd. He's looking, he's looking, he's looking, and he finally finds his sheep, and he is so thrilled. He, puts, he picks the sheep up, puts it on his shoulders, and carries it home, and they celebrate. They celebrate because this sheep that was lost is now found. He gets back and he celebrates. See, the point of Jesus' story is that it was, it was on the thing that was lost. It was this sheep that was loved and was cared for. And this shepherd would go to any length to find it. He would risk life and his own safety to find this sheep. And if it's natural... If it's natural for us to look for lost things, how much more should we expect God to look for lost people? Jesus tells a second story. Jesus tells a second story. There's a woman, and she has ten coins. She has ten coins, and, and one day she is counting her coins. She's making note of her coins, and one of them, she finds out that one of them is missing. One of them is lost. It's likely a drachma. It was likely part of her dowry. She may have kept it in her headdress for safekeeping. This was the only money she brought into the marriage. It would be the only money that she would have if the marriage dissolved. And so this money was very precious to her. And one day she was counting it, making sure it was all there. She only found nine coins. And she turns the house upside down. She sweeps everything. She cleans everything. She moves furniture. She's sweeping. She's, she's looking at every nook and cranny because this lost thing has to be here somewhere, right? Have you ever been there when you've lost something? It's got to be here somewhere. And she looks and she looks and she searches and she searches and she cleans and she cleans. And she does a full exhaustive search. And finally, this lamp she starts to see a little something. You know, sometimes when we think lamp, we think like this big LED flashlight or some blazing torch. It was really just this little, little oil lamp that barely put out any light, but it definitely put out more light than the little windows of her house would allow in. And as she searches and she searches, she finally finds it. And when she finds it, what does she do? She tells her friends. She tells her friends, I lost this coin. I lost my coin, but I searched and I cleaned and I finally found it. Come and let's celebrate. Celebrate. This thing that I had lost, I found it again. See, at the most basic level, these two parables make the same point. The parable of sheep focused on the thing that was lost. The parable on the coin emphasizes the search for the item, for the thing lost. 
But recovering a lost sinner takes diligent effort. Recovering a lost sinner requires diligent effort, but the effort is always worth it when the lost item is found, when the lost person is found, when the lost one comes back home to Jesus. The effort is always worth it. And the people around us should know that God is diligently seeking them. He's diligently looking for them, that he wants a relationship with them, and that God's disciples, those who are followers of Jesus, should diligently engage in the search for God's lost ones. Because if we'd go searching for sheep and for coins, how much more should we go after a person that is loved by God? How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. Not just those who are already members of his family, but those who are still far from him need to know that they are his children and that rewards await them if they come home to him. We are his children because we've been created in his image. And though we are lost and walk away, God's love is still there for us. Both those parables build to the third parable, a parable that Charles Dickens calls the most perfect short story ever written. It's the most famous of the trilogy. It's also the climax of the three stories. And it comes in two parts. And it's one that you probably already know. And one that you could probably tell for me without even me doing any of the work. As the story goes, a father has two sons. father has two sons. And one of them comes to him and says, Father, I want my share of the inheritance. And this would be shameful, a shameful thing to be done. In, in today's culture, even much more in, in that culture, it would be like saying, Dad, I wish you were dead. Go home and try that one, kids, and see what that gets you. And this father has no responsibility to divide his inheritance, to, to divide his property, but he does. He divides up his property, gives his younger son what he asks for. And he goes off and he squanders it in wild living. That, 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 that phrase squanders is like, it literally would be like sowing his wild oats. He's just throwing money away, just throwing it to the wind. And, and, and he, he goes and he spends everything. And, and as soon as the money runs out, hard times hit. Have you ever been there before? At the end of your rope, at the bottom of the barrel, things just get worse. And this son who came from a very wealthy family, all of a sudden he finds himself out of money, down on his luck, and the only job he can get is as a pig farmer. And for Jesus' Jewish audience, that would be the worst job ever. So if you're thinking through your list of jobs, that would be like the worst job ever. That's the, that's the job that I would take only if no other options were available for me. Pig feed farmer, dude, that would be the one for them. And so there he finds himself. He finds himself in the pig slop feeding pigs. It's a bad day. And there, then and there, the Bible says he came to his senses. 
I would hope that we would come to our senses far before the pig slop. And there he is, comes to his senses. My father's servants have plenty to live on, and here I am wanting to eat the food with the pigs. So he gets up, and he makes a plan to return home. And he begins an I'm sorry speech. He says, Dad, I'm not worthy to be called your son. Just make me one of your workers, or just a, a worker in your household. See, what the son doesn't know is that the father's been waiting for his son to return. He, he's been on the porch day and night looking at the horizon. And, and, and each day, he just begins to pace the porch back and forth. And he looks, and then one day, all of a sudden, off in the distance, he sees someone. He sees someone that, that, that looks like his son. He sees someone that looks like, and, and he forgoes all protocol, all proper actions, and he tucks up his robe, and he runs to his son. The older you were, the more esteemed you were, the slower you walked. Important people did not run, but this father ran to his son. And when he gets to his son, he slugs him, right? That'll learn you. No. He throws his arms around him. He kisses him. And he welcomes him home. The son begins his I'm sorry speech. Father, I am not worthy to be called your son. And the, the father at this point might have actually smacked his mouth and said, son, no, 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 no. We are having none of that. You are not coming back as a servant. You are not coming back as a slave. Quick, somebody get the best robe and put it on him. Someone bring a ring and put it on his finger. Someone bring some sandals and put them on his feet. For this child of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost, but he has come home. And we might lose some of that imagery. Some of the imagery may be lost on us. But see, the best robe, the best robe belonged to the Father. It was the robe that would be given to the honored guest. The ring. Well, the ring was a symbol of power, a symbol of authority. It's probably his father's signet ring, what he would use to, to seal uh, letters or important documents. And sandals. And I love this because Ryan drew, looks like he, he painted him barefoot. It's awesome that he caught that. To see, slaves went barefoot. Servants went barefoot. But sons and members of the household, they had sandals on their feet. Quick. Bring him some sandals. Put some sandals on his feet because he's not going to be a servant. He is my son. He's my son. We're welcoming him. On top of that, kill the fattened calf. We are having a party. The son of mine was dead and is alive again. That word for alive again, that's a resurrection word. I saw that, I'm like, we have to sing resurrecting this morning because this son was resurrected back to his father. And when we bring a sinner lost from God home to him, we, they are resurrected back into God's family. New life is resurrected up into them. And this is not a life that we can earn because the prodigal son did not 
deserve anything. We do not deserve God's love. We cannot earn it. We cannot uh, uh, deserve it in any way, shape, or form. But he gives freely to those who humble themselves and come back home to him, accepting the work of Jesus on the cross as the payment for our sins. So the son who was lost, who sowed his wild oats, came back home to be welcomed into his father's house. But as I said, this parable comes in two parts. This parable comes in two parts. The older son stayed home. See, the, the first part of the story clearly talks about the tax collectors and sinners. Their sins were evident. Their sins were, were obvious. But the older son, well, his sins were a little bit less obvious. His sins were a little more hidden. Jesus looks at the tax collectors, and he looks at the Pharisees and, and begins to tell the story of the older brother. The older brother hears that there's this party going on. And he comes in from the field and he asks, but what's, what's going on? And one of the servants says, your, your brother, your brother's come back home. And your father has given him the robe and given him the, the ring and put sandals on his feet. And we've killed the fattened calf and we're having this party. We're celebrating because your, your brother has come back home. And the older brother is furious. Furious. And he criticizes. His, his father comes out to try to console him. Hey, come in and celebrate with us. But the older brother, he criticizes his father and his brother in one breath. He doesn't even acknowledge He's his brother. He calls him this son of yours. He levels accusations that he has no way of knowing if they are true or not. As I said, it's easy to point out the sins of the younger brother. And we all want grace for those times when we want grace for those, those times when we fall short. It's harder to see the sins of the older brother. It's harder to see uh, where he had fallen short because he had always been there with his dad. He had always been there for him and was obedient in everything around the house. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law failed to see their own sin and their own need for a Savior, even with them standing right in front of them. Jesus doesn't tell us how the parable ends. We don't know what the older brother does. Does he come in and celebrate, or does he remain on the outside? The Pharisees and teachers of the law, they stayed on the outside. They never really fully welcomed Jesus, and they never really chased after Jesus. And, and as far as we know, uh, not many of them would come to faith in Jesus because they saw him as an outsider. But all three of these parables end the same way. They end with a party. They were celebrating the dead that was alive again, the lost item that was found, the lost sheep that went missing, that was brought back and restored to the flock. They celebrate because what was lost was found. And we too were once dead in our sins, lost and far from God, missing from his family, from around his table. But God did what God does. And he goes and he looks for his lost sheep. He looks for his missing child and he welcomes us home. Just as the younger brother was dead and is alive again, our older brother Jesus, our perfect 
older brother died in our place and rose again so that we might have a place to be restored to in God's family, that we might have a place to sit around his table. See, the older brother in the parable, he dropped the ball. But the picture of Jesus is our older brother who goes before, who sets the example, who makes the way, who paves the way for us to come back home to God. We need to follow in his footsteps and go and look for those lost ones who are still out in the field, who are still far from home, who need to be restored back to their father. Because there's a celebration. And I love how Allie made this. And in the shadow, she puts a cross. Because without the cross, we have no way to come back home. Without the cross, there is no celebration. Without the cross, we're still lost and dead in our sin. But because of the cross and because of an empty tomb, we have hope again. Because he rose first, we will one day rise with him. The older brother refuses to welcome his younger brother. But Jesus does not fail to welcome anyone back home who humbly comes back home to him. He goes and he seeks us out. And he provides a mean for us to be restored to God's family. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what it would be like if we, were all, if we all lived like that? If we were all the older brother, if we were all went after God's missing children, those who were lost and far from him, those who were living in a distant country, who had not yet come to their senses, who had not yet come back home, who had not yet made their, the, 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 that change in their life. What if we were the ones to help point them in the right direction? What if we were the ones to start a spiritual conversation with them? And what if it helped, what if we started seeing prodigals come back home to God? See, the story of the prodigal son is much better named the parable of the forgiving father. Because the father longs to be restored not just to his younger son who ran away, but also his older son who is lost right there in his midst. What if we saw children restored to their heavenly father? What if we saw lives change, the power of God's grace? What kind of celebration would we begin to have here? What kind of celebration would there be in heaven among God and his angels when one sinner repents? The question is, will you go? Will you go? Will you look for those who are lost and far from God? Will you allow God to use you to restore his lost children back to him? Because there someone helped you be restored to God. Will you help others find their way home to him? To help connect them back to Jesus. To help restore them to the love of their father. To help bring them back into the family. Maybe today, Maybe today you need that new life for yourself. So there at cchmd.com slash connect, there's a connection card. And on that connection card, you can check becoming a Christian. Maybe you just want to send a quick text. and You text HOME to 240-347-0897. 
So I want to come home to Jesus. I want to turn from my lost way, and I want to make my way back home to him. If you let us know, we will follow up with you and help you on your journey back home to your heavenly father because your father's heart goes out to you. Your father's heart longs for you to be restored to him. That the son of his was, was dead, but is alive again. Can that be said of you this morning? That the resurrected king is resurrecting us. That in our life, his life might be made available to others. That we might help others be restored back to him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for today. Thank you for the life we have because of you. Thank you for the hope that we have because of you. That even while we were lost, even while we were far from you, you sought us out. And you brought us home. Father, you made a way for us to be restored back to you. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the hope that we have in him. May we leave here changed. and May we leave here today prepared to help the world change to know you. And Father, despite the mess that we see around us, despite the hurt that we see around us, would you work through us to bring healing, and to bring your love, and to bring restoration that others may know you, love you, and worship you, and be shaped and changed to live like you, just as we are. Father, we thank you for Jesus, and it's his name I pray. Amen. Feel free to come and look at the different works of art. Uh, 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 Ryan and Faith and Sarah are here today. The, the, the Morses are away on vacation. Be sure to, to thank them for their work. Uh, the, the, I was blown away. I just kind of said, hey, here's a canvas. Here's what I'd like you to do. And they came back with four pieces that I could not even begin to have, have laid out for them. And so, so do thank them uh, for their work. We are glad that you, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I think at some point we'll, we're going to find some sort of way to display them around the building because they're, they're really cool. And I think it would add to uh, uh, our, the, the look kind of around here in the building. And so, um, but uh, we're glad that you joined us today, whether here in the, in the building or online. Uh, as I said earlier, if uh, you uh, came prepared today to give, uh, the basket is there in the back. If not, you can use the secure online giving portal at cchmd.com. Uh, uh, we are thankful that you're here with us today, and we pray that you have a great week. We'll see you next week.